was great in the earth, and that every, excuse me, thought I could read it off the back. All right. The Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And the Lord regretted that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him to his heart. So the Lord said, I will blot out man whom I have created from the face of the land, man and animals and creeping things and birds of the heavens, for I am sorry that I have made them. But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. Amen. Thank you, Art. When someone hears your name or thinks of you, what do you hope they think about or what do you hope comes to their mind? Perhaps it's what an honest person you are or how trustworthy or how responsible, how kind or maybe even what a difference you have made in their life. What do you hope comes to someone's mind when they think of you? What do you hope they think about when they think of you? You know, as Christians, I think there is one thing that trumps all others. One idea that would be admirable for all of us to desire to have be the one thing that people think about when they think of us. And it is simply this, to think that person walks with God. There are only two people in the Bible about whom it is said they walked with God. And that's Enoch and Noah. We read about Enoch in Genesis chapter 5. If you want to go ahead and turn there, we're going to be spending most of our time this morning in Genesis chapter 6. But I'd like to tell you what the Bible says about Enoch first when he talks about how he walked with God. Beginning in Genesis chapter 5 verses 21, we'll read through 24. It says that Enoch lived 65 years and then he begot Methuselah. Now we remember Methuselah was the oldest person that ever lived, right? So Enoch was his father. And it says, verse 22, after he begot Methuselah, Enoch walked with God 300 years and had sons and daughters. So all the days of Enoch, all the days were 365. That's how old he lived to be. And then verse 24, and Enoch walked with God. And he was not, for God took him. We don't have any evidence that Enoch ever died. The Bible just says that he walked with God for 365 years and then that God took him. And then the other individual about whom it is said that he walked with God is Noah. Noah is a story and the story of Noah and the ark that we probably learned as children. And it's a childhood favorite and rightfully so because it's filled with such good imagery. Think about it. I mean, you you think about the ark and the animals and all of the animals coming onto the ark and the floodwaters. And it just makes for a great memorable story. But I want to suggest to you this morning that as adults, it's far more than a children's story because there are lessons that we can learn and should learn from Noah's life and specifically Noah's life far before the flood ever happened. We tend to think about the flood when we think of Noah, 
But it's what the way that he lived his life before the flood that was the reason God took him on this grand adventure that he did. And it's the reason that he chose to save Noah and his family. I want to suggest to you this morning that the lessons we can learn from the life of Noah before the flood can teach us how to walk with God and therefore set us up for the great adventure that God has planned for our lives, just as it did for Noah and his family. So this morning, I'd like us to read some of chapter six together as we make our points and look for what are the lessons we can learn if we want to know how we too can walk with God. So let's read beginning in Genesis chapter six. We'll read verses five through nine to begin with. The Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And the Lord was sorry that he had made man on the earth, and he was grieved in his heart. So the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast, creeping thing and birds of the air, for I'm sorry that I have made them. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. So as as the Lord looked out over the people, and the thoughts, their thoughts were evil continually, he did come upon one person because the scripture says, but Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And then verse nine, this is the genealogy of Noah. Noah was a just man, perfect in his generations. Noah walked with God. What does it mean to walk with someone? Think about that with me for a moment. If, if you walk with someone, doesn't that mean that you go where they go? Now, if you walk together, it may mean that you're deciding along the way which way to go. But if I'm going to walk with Jason, then I'm going to go where Jason wants me to go. If I walk with someone, that also means that I enjoy being in their company. And that's the same idea we're talking about when we think about what does it mean to walk with God? It means that I want to know that person as well as I can even intimately. Some years ago, and maybe only one or two, Amanda Redmond shared that she and Karen Reynolds walk regularly together. I assume they still do. And I don't think she would mind my saying this, but she talked about how much it had brought the two of them together. They shared their lives together. And that's what we're talking about. Walking, learning to walk with God. So what does it mean? I believe as we look at the life of Noah, we're going to find. So let's read the next part of this, verses 11 through 13, when God speaks to Noah. It says, The earth also was corrupt before God, and the earth was filled with violence. Does that sound familiar? So God looked upon the earth, and indeed it was corrupt. For all flesh had corrupted their way on the earth. And God said to Noah, the end of all flesh has come before me for the earth is filled with violence through them and behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Now let's stop right there. Do you think God had to work to get Noah's attention to listen to what he wanted to say to him? Do you think he had to say, no, Noah, listen, listen, I'm trying to talk to you. I have learned over the years of being a teacher, and many of you who are can probably attest to this, that you have to often repeat yourself about three times if you want everyone to listen or to even hear what you're saying. 
because we can be easily distracted. But I don't get the impression to you that that was the way it was with Noah. Because I think Noah was a man whose very prominent priority, the priority of his life was knowing and wanting to know, God, what are you saying? It didn't matter, I don't think, what Noah would have been doing when God spoke. He would have stopped whatever he was doing to listen. And you think about it. Noah didn't have any paper. He didn't have any pencils. All he had was his memory. And therefore, he had to be tuned in and listening when God spoke because he knew that all he was going to have was what he remembered. He didn't have the scriptures even that you and I have today. Well, friends, first of all, this morning, and I want to suggest three things about what it means to walk with God. And here's the first one. If you and I, like Noah, are going to learn to walk with God, first of all, we must learn to listen to him. And that raises the question, well, how does God speak to us today? Because back then he spoke directly to them. They heard him. And then later on he spoke through the prophets. And today we know that he speaks primarily through his word. Friends, if you and I are going to learn to listen to God, we have to make the priority of our life the study of his word. It's the lie of Satan to tell us that this book is just like any other book. It is the lie of Satan for us to believe that it is the word of God, but to think that we can read it and study it once and be done. Because Satan wants nothing more than for us to to do that, to think, oh, I, I know that, and to put it on the shelf. My friends, this is a living book. And that's why people will say, every time I read it, I get something different out of it. Charles Spurgeon once said this, and I love it so. He said, visit many good books, but live in the Bible. We have to know God's word. I want to encourage you. Every time you open your Bible to read, or every time you come in here to hear God's word being preached, to start saying before you do, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. Just like Samuel Samuel prayed and said, when you and I open this book in our time of daily and regular study, speak, Lord, Your servant is listening. Learning to live in the Bible is indeed a discipline because there are so many things that compete for our attention. And I heard somebody say one time that if we ever get to the end of a day, we haven't made time to spend with God in his word and prayer, we should really apologize to him. I'm sorry, Lord, I didn't make time for you today because he wants us to walk with him. Brother Cecil, I think of it all the time. He said, the greatest problem we face in the church today is that we Christians do not read our Bible. And it's true. The Bible says my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. If we're going to learn to walk with God, we've got to learn how to listen to him. And this is it. Two or three months ago, Martha, you visited our music classroom. And she spoke to the students. And I've never had a chance to tell you, but... You said that Pop M. Myers, who our fine arts building is named for, and many of you may remember him, he was a believer in daily Bible reading. And I've, all, I've wanted to talk to you ever since and haven't had a chance to, to hear more about that. I was so thankful you encouraged the students to do that because that's where it is. 
us learning to live in the word of God. We need to guard our time in the regular study of his word because this is how we listen to God. So, first of all, if you and I are going to learn to walk with God, we've got to learn to listen to him. Psalm 1 says that the godly man or woman's delight is in the law of the Lord. And in that law, he or she meditates day and night. Psalm 119 is a beautiful chapter, the longest in the Bible about the beauty of God's word and why it is our delight. Now let's move on in our story. And I've gotten away from Genesis 6 somehow. So back to Genesis 6, and let's read now verses 14 through 21 as God continues talking to Noah. He says, make yourself an ark of gopher wood, make rooms in the ark and cover it inside and outside with pitch. And this is how you shall make it. The length of the ark shall be 300 cubits, its width 50 cubits, and its height 30 cubits. You shall make a window for the ark and you shall finish it to a cubit from above and set the door of the ark in its side. You shall make it with lower, second, and third decks. And behold, I myself am bringing floodwaters on the earth to destroy from under heaven all flesh in which is the breath of life. Everything that is on the earth shall die. But I will establish my covenant with you. And you shall go into the ark, you, your sons, your wife, and your sons' wives with you. And of every living thing of all flesh, you shall bring two of every sort into the ark to keep them alive with you. They shall be male and female, of the birds after their kind, of animals after their kind, and of every creeping thing on the earth after its kind. Two of every kind will come to you to keep them alive. And you shall take for yourself of all food that is eaten, and you shall gather it to yourself, and it shall be food for you and for them. Now, let's stop before we get to that last verse in the chapter. What do you suppose Noah must have thought as he listened to God telling him all of these things? Do you know that in this chapter is the first time the Bible even mentions rain? And yet God wasn't just talking about sending some rain. He was talking about bringing a flood onto the earth. What must that have been like for Noah to hear was going to happen? Do you think Noah doubted? I wonder if what he's saying and telling me is true. No. Because Noah had lived long enough. Noah had experienced enough in his life to know that whatever God said was what he was going to do. He knew that he could trust God and believe him. Now, how do we know that Noah believed what God said? Because the Bible tells us that for the next 120 years, he worked faithfully on building that ark and preparing himself to be obedient to God's word. That's how we know he believed. In spite of the opposition, in spite of the people who were making fun of him along the way, how foolish you are to be building that big ship. Why, we've never seen anything around here that you would need that for. But in spite of the opposition, he persisted. And so secondly, I would suggest to you that if we're going to learn to walk with God, like Noah, we must not only learn to listen to him, but we must learn to believe him. Learning to walk with God requires listening and secondly, belief. The Bible says if you and I want to develop faith or belief in God, it happens in these two ways. By hearing the word of God... 
Faith comes by hearing, I should say, you hear, but you hear something very specifically, and that is you hear the word of God. If you want to develop faith in God, read the Bible. Somebody may say, yeah, but I just don't understand it. Well, let me ask you this. Do you understand how that medicine works when you take it? Or do you just take it because the doctor says to? Same thing is true with God's word. Speak, Lord, your servant is listening. He will open up our ears and our understanding. Now, there is a danger in listening to the word of God being expounded on by someone like I'm doing this morning versus just reading it for yourself. And that's why we must always listen critically, perhaps, because we want to know that everything we are listening to when we are hearing somebody teach is indeed from the word of God. When we open that book for ourselves, as the Bereans did, we should check those scriptures and we should be studying it so that we know exactly what it says. Another danger that we must face is that we can either read the word of God to consider it or to obey it. And I believe that Noah did exactly what he should have done. And that is he read the word of God because he wanted to obey it. He knew that it was true. He knew that he could trust God. Plenty of people are saying that you and I are foolish for going by such an antiquated book. But like Noah, our experience proves that God is trustworthy. We know that God's plan is the best plan for living. You can't improve upon it. It's the best plan for dying. What he says is true. We can believe it. If we're going to learn to walk with God, we've got to learn to listen to him. We've got to learn to believe him. And then thirdly, I think the final point that we'll make this morning, though others surely could be made about what it means to walk with God. But I think the third and final point we'll talk about this morning is in that very last verse of the chapter, verse 22. Notice what it says. Thus Noah did according to all that God commanded him. So he did. Noah did according the Bible says to all that God commanded him. His belief is what led him into action. God was very specific. You remember all that we read telling him how to build that ark, but Noah didn't quabble with any of that. He did, the Bible says, according to all that God commanded him. He was satisfied to do exactly what God wanted him to do. We don't have any indication that he quarreled with God about it or said, wouldn't it be better this way? No, he simply did what God asked him to do. What must it have been like for Noah to hear God describe the dimensions of that ark that he was to build? If you translate those dimensions into feet, you come up with 450 feet long. Most ceilings in homes are eight feet, maybe 10. No, this thing was to be 450 feet long. It was going to be 75 feet wide and 45 feet high. Have any of you in here visited the Ark Encounter in Williamstown, Kentucky? Would you raise your hand, please? These are the people to seek out and ask them, was it really that big? Because they have experienced it. That's, someone has recreated the ark in this uh, place in Kentucky, and it's now a tourist attraction. You can go in it, and I understand it is incredible to see because they have not only created it from the outside, they've created it from the inside. So these people can tell us. But I want to suggest to you that that ark that Noah built was the greatest testament to his listening to God 
and his belief in what God said, and thirdly, his obedience. He believed God enough to obey him for the 120 years it took him to build that ark. Friends, that's longer than you and I are ever going to live. And Noah's obedience to God, he was patient. He was patient despite the fact that others were being critical of him. Despite the fact that he watched as other people were eating and drinking and being merry with their leisure time, he was patient. And he was patient in his obedience and fervent in doing what he knew God had called him to do because he believed him and he wanted to obey him. If you and I are going to walk with God, we must listen to him. We must believe him. And thirdly, we must obey him. It's a popular thing these days for people to be selective in their obedience about God's word. Oh yeah, I'll, I'll do this. But I, that part over there, oh, God, I want you to leave me alone about that. And we just kind of hope for the best that maybe God will ignore it. But you see, that's not walking with God. That's wanting God to walk with us. That's why Jesus said, if you desire to come after me, do what? Do you remember? Deny yourself. And secondly, take up your cross and follow me. If we sense anything competing with our obedience to everything God would have us be, then that thing needs to be dealt with. Many, many years ago, I heard the story of Dwight L. Moody, who heard someone say as he was growing up, and he's a well-known preacher of years ago. But someone once said, God, or the world has yet to see what God will do through the life of someone who is fully committed to him. And Dwight Moody in that moment said, I will be that man. And that's what we're talking about. A full surrender and obedience. God, whatever you say, I'm already doing it. I'm not going to question it. If we don't have that kind of surrender, that kind of willingness to obey, we will never know what it truly means to walk with God. Listen, believe, and obey. It's just that simple. And yet, it's just that difficult. It's difficult because we do have an enemy that wants nothing more than for us to forget what we've talked about this morning and go on our merry way and put it to rest. Because he knows that if we do, then we'll be put on the shelf by God, not able to be used to the full extent God wanted to in your life and mine. God's plan for our life is the best. We cannot improve upon it. We commit our life to him. I encourage you to commit your life to him and watch the great adventure that he will carry you on. Now that's the way we do it, or that's at least three of the key ways to walk with God. What are the rewards? Let me quickly suggest five to you, and they all start with the letter P, so they're easy to remember. Number one, if you and I will be wise enough to follow God's best plan for our life and walk with him, number one, we will be prepared. We have been given everything we need in this life. The Bible tells us we have everything we need to navigate every situation we will ever face in this life. Is every situation covered? No. But the specifics enough to get us through them in a way that pleases God are covered within the pages of this book. He has not left us unprepared. We know the plans of God. 
Just as God told Noah what he was going to do, God tells us what he's going to do. We know how this thing turns out and we know how we are to conduct ourselves and navigate our way through life through it. First Corinthians chapter two, verse nine says that no eye has seen, no ear has heard and no mind has even imagined what God has prepared for those of us who love him. Paul said, listen, I'm not worried about what happens to me because to live is Christ. I know Christ and to die is even better. It's gain. And the same can be true for us. We don't have to worry about anything. God's got it all under control. We will be prepared. And secondly, we will be provided for. He will make provision. God will always provide for his children. And it's going to be perfect provision too. One more example from the life of Noah. If you ask anyone who knows about building ships, they will tell you this, that a sea vessel that is crafted as it should be, perfectly crafted, is going to sink in the water to half of its height. Did you know that? A seagoing vessel that is crafted as it should be will sink into the water half of its height. Do you remember how tall God told Noah to build the ark? 30 cubits. Now, in regard to God's provision for us, listen to this. When you go over to, where is it? Genesis chapter 7, verses 19 and 20. Listen to what it says. The waters prevailed exceedingly on the earth, and all the high hills under the whole heaven were covered. Now, in other words, everything on the earth was completely underwater. Now, listen to the next verse. The waters prevailed 15 cubits upward above the highest point on the earth. And the mountains were covered. What does that mean? That means that if that ship, that ark were 30 cubits tall, it would sink to 15 cubits into the water. And God let the waters prevail above the highest mountain, 15 cubits. God provided for them. He protected them. And that's the third point. All you and I have to do is seek first his kingdom and everything else we need will be taken care of. But we will be protected thirdly when the storms come into our life. Noah, the Lord said to Noah in Genesis chapter seven, verse one, he said, come into the ark, you and all your household, because I have seen that you are righteous before me in this generation. Then skip down to verse 16. So those that entered male and female of all flesh went in as God had commanded him and the Lord shut him in. Now who closed the door? God closed the door that stood between Noah's life and Noah's death and his family. And therefore I'm telling you that if we will walk with God as he did, we too will be protected. God will protect us. And fourthly, We will be pardoned. We will be saved as Noah was. As I said earlier, we know the story. The righteous come out ahead. Genesis chapter 7 verse 23 tells us that only Noah and those who were with him in the ark remained alive. Everyone else was lost. And we may think, yeah, but we're not going to be put in an ark. Well, here's the New Testament equivalent that we will experience to what Noah experienced when God told him to come into the ark. Matthew chapter 25 says that when the son of man comes in his glory and all the holy angels with him, then he will sit on the throne of his glory. 
All the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate them one from another. As a shepherd divides his sheep from the goats, he will set the sheep on his right hand and the goats on the left. And then the king will say to those on his right hand who have walked with him, Throughout life, he will say, come, you blessed of my father, not into the ark, but into the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. That's what we have to look forward to. What are the rewards? First of all, we will be prepared. Secondly, we will be provided for. Thirdly, we will be protected. Fourthly, we will be pardoned. And finally, our lives will be a blessing for others. That great chapter of faith, Hebrews chapter 11, includes Noah as one of the heroes of faith. And we still remember him today. I love that passage in Revelation chapter 14 that says, Blessed are the dead, not all the dead, but those who die in the Lord, that they may rest from their labors and their works do follow them. We're still being blessed by his life. You know other people that have already passed on whose lives are continuing to bless you because of the way that they live them. Not long ago, I heard somebody say, you know what pleases God? Faithfulness in obscurity. In other words, faithfulness in the humdrum day-to-day actions of life. Being faithful in those unseen moments that are not special, being faithful in those moments. That's the way that Noah was. He learned to walk with God in the day-to-day days of his life. It was his pattern to walk with him. And that's what led to the grand adventure he experienced. And we can walk with God too. And so that's the simple question I want to ask you now as we conclude our lesson. And that is, who are you walking with? We're all walking with somebody. It may be our spouse that has our ear most, maybe something related to our boss and our work. Could be the time we spend with our talents or our hobbies, but dear friends, may above all it be said that we are walking with God. It's the greatest life to be lived that requires a full surrender to him. We cannot lose obeying God. We cannot, but we can lose it all otherwise. My prayer for each of us this coming week and in the weeks to come is that someone will encounter us and think that person walks with God.